Each week, nearly a dozen movies are released theatrically. 40 films a month, more than 400 a year. That's a plethora of cinema. Too much cinema. You'd have to be an addict to see all that. But don't fret. We've got you covered. This is Cinematics. Hey everyone, it's a new week of Cinematics, specifically Cinematics episode 185. I'm Greg Srizavasti. I am a film reviewer, podcaster, I don't know what else I am. Eric Holmes, co-host of Cinematics. What are you? Who are you? What are you about? I am mad. I'm the last and the first man. You are the last. Are you trying to beat Tilda Swinton on, on a voiceover contest, Eric Holmes? Is that what you're doing? With I, I, would, I would lose that contest. So, no, I'm not trying, but yeah, oh. yeah, just see what happens. Oh, well, let's see. I think Eric Holmes has a really wonderful, beautiful voice. Let's see if he can be the, the voice of one of the films we're reviewing this week. It's called Screensaver the Movie. Eric Holmes will have more information <laughs> on that as well. Eric Holmes is mad as I say that. I'm joking. It's not Screensaver the Movie. Bruce Perky. Who are you? What are you? What are you about? Huh? About uh, about 5'10", almost uh, 60. <laughs> this I is mean, not a dating you know, site, Bruce. This is not a dating site. You're a family man. Like this long is watch not- walks on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> Sunsets. You know, I am 51. And unfortunately, during my salad days, which was years ago, I used to love R&B and hip hop. Eventually, when I graduated from high school, I moved into jazz and Miles Davis and Kind of Blue. One thing I did miss, Bruce Perky, specifically to you, actually, Eric Holmes, you believe you were in either a punk rock band or rock band back in the day as well. I am slowly picking up the pieces of the pop culture music stuff that from this has nothing to do with our podcast. But I just wanted to mention and throw this to you guys. I've started listening to just a little bit, a smattering of I'm going to name some groups and you guys tell me if I'm on on the right path. Screaming Trees, Screaming Trees. I've been listening to them a little bit. What do you think, Bruce, Eric? What do you think? I I like them more now than I did when they came out. Okay. There. In fact, it, it's weird. It's weird how bands do that. Like, you know, like you listen to them when they're popular. And it's like, oh, get this. Like, stop playing it. I hate it. <laughs> and then some. And then a couple of decades pass, and it's like, oh no, it's pretty good. I, I kind of like this song. So yeah. Okay. A, a little smattering of maybe the damned. I might start listening to the damned. Bruce Berkey. What say you about this? And any damned comments or quotes, movie quotes, music quotes you have about this band? Uh, I'd like some damned stuff. The first damned is pretty great. First damned album. Okay. All right. Uh, Mud Honey. Should I listen to Mud Honey or no? No, Bruce. Should I tur- swerve left? Don't and, uh, touch oh. me. I'm sick. No. Yeah, you can. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Mud Honey is great. Uh, if you like Mud Honey, you can go back and try a little Green River. If you want to go back really far, you could try Mr. Epp and the Calculations, which is, I think, his first band. Okay. But Mud Honey is good-ish. Actually, you know what? They just played, like, in the last few days. Or actually, they got like a like a, a key to the city or something because they've been around for like 40 years or something now. Yeah, I saw that on Instagram. Someone was just, they were just honored or something for their achievements. Yeah, something like that. Okay. Additions to the culture of Seattle or something like that. Yeah. So it's where they would need a key to the city. I usually just drive in fine. I don't need any sort of <laughs> hard wire the city. <laughs> just drive Yeah, just cross it. the wires and go, starts opening. Eric, stop with the jokes because I have not found the proper audio rim shot for a podcast yet. But uh, <laughs> one of these days I will find it, maybe by Cinematics episode 200. Before we start our, our featured reviews, Chris Perky, are you on the wrong movie podcast? Should, be, should you be doing a movie, a music podcast? Since you seem to be an expert of that era, maybe late 70s, 80s, early to mid 90s, you can, you know, that kind of stuff. Don't you the rule that old white guys are only allowed to be in movie podcasts or uh, <laughs> no music podcasts, not allowed. 
Okay. Not a lot. Not a lot whatsoever. What is a lot though? On the oh, music side, sorry. my son just got a new drum set, so I can ask him to make do a good rim shot for you if you want that. Can, oh, yeah. oh, you know what? We can do that, and we we can we can credit what Andrew is Andrew your your, your yeah. boy Andrew. Okay, okay, all right. Yeah, maybe Andrew get us a rim shot, and then we will credit you. And look, we just made seventy cents on our Amazon associates. If you want, on our, on our find your film site, find we'll your pay them seventy cents. <laughs> yeah, find you know what? Hey, Andrew, you can get all our cuts uh, for the seventy cents for this. But findyourfilms.com, we have we are Amazon associates. If you purchase stuff via our website or our show notes on our on our um, podcast episodes, we get a healthy commission of maybe 05 or one percent. Every cent counts. The 70 cents probably goes right to Andrew for the rim shot. Look, Eric Holmes, did you purchase a multicolor balloon lights set or something? Is that, was that you who purchased, purchased that? Because I asked Bruce. It wasn't him. No. I don't have I, I don't have balloons in my life, so I didn't purchase that. That was a $23. Balloon, balloon yeah. lights? Yeah, balloon. It's like multicolor balloon lights. On our Amazon Associates, huh. someone in our cinematics and find your film – uh, universe the first time in what's what say you a year and a half purchased an amazon item i was in shock it was like actually watching some of the wonderful yugoslavian structures from last and first men i was awed by its <laughs> beauty but i balloon lights so anyways 23.58 all of us got 70 cents and uh actually none of us because that 70 cents goes to andrew so it wasn't you right. eric Holmes. it was it, you didn't know oh i i don't even know what i mean I, don't I have ideas of what balloon lights might be, but I'm very curious. <laughs> okay. It's going to be, it's going to be for my artistic spoken word piece called the last and first clown. I didn't tell you I was working on that. <laughs> don't but you can only me. release it after I'm dead. <laughs> 15 yes, years exactly. after I'm dead. Bruce, lots, don't of, look at me. lots of honking horns. and <laughs> <laughs> Don't look at me, Bruce, when you say clown. Okay. Eric Holmes, here's the thing. What, what interviews do you have this week for the rest of us? Uh, what people are going to listen to on on either this podcast or find your film what do you have on the docket i got a interview with uh chris gore coming up tomorrow Uh, he's got a documentary coming out about g4 and attack the show got an interview with uh chas bono and Mm -hmm. i got an interview with uh the uh don't have the name in front of me okay what's the movie i I got it i'm a a name me and me and bruce we're good at the names aren't we good at the names we call me by your names come on give me give me a movie what's the what's the name of the movie oh the with uh chas bono oh yeah let me look that up uh bury the bride okay bury the bride yeah chas bono okay and then you you said you have one more or is that it is that it what you got going on uh, the the last one's the uh, uh, the tenth old school kung fu fest uh, in oh. New York, and we'll we'll talk about more of that tomorrow. Yeah, we I can. believe we're doing. Yeah, yeah, it's embargoed. So we, look, I didn't edit it, but the, if, if that's a little sneaky thing coming next week, we're gonna get a lot of how do you pronounce it that genre, Bruce or Eric Wusha or Wusha films. We're gonna be covering movies like Touch of Zen, other things. We're we're gonna be covering that next week. It's embargoed until. Friday, but that's going to be exciting. Are you excited for these Wuxia? Is that how you pronounce it, Eric or Bruce? You know, W U X I A. I'm honestly not not an expert on any of this. <laughs> like uh, the the, the okay. stuff we're getting into as far as kung fu movies now mm-hmm. is uh, interesting, but, but very new, very new to me. Oh, very very good. Okay, so we are embargoed right now. Eric and I have seen touch of zen and we're going to review it we're going to do a full review of touch of zen in conjunction with the festival eric how did you see touch of zen did you pay for it 
I got a got a screener. Um, oh, you through, got a screener. Uh, yeah, through oh, uh, okay. Criterion. I think it. I think there's versions of it out. I don't know how many of them are complete or incomplete or whatever. But through Criterion, Criterion actually sent you a screener link. Yeah, I, I'm paying. I'm paying hard earned money. I have to sell. I have to buy balloon lights on Amazon <laughs> to get my seventy cents. How the Bruce? How is Eric doing a better job than me at getting contacts and actually? Uh, Getting screening links. I'm not doing my job, my friend. Do you I have mean, an idea? he does this thing called socializing with people. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Oh, also. Dry, dry wit, Bruce. I can't stand it anymore. Yes, Eric Holmes. Yes, sir. Well, also, throw some water on me. Get a, get a flower and shoot some water at me, you clown. <laughs> yeah, very good. Bruce. Eric, um, yes, sir. Yes. We also, uh, not next week, but the week after, we'll be covering the movie Sisu, and I should be having the interview with the director for that, too. He did yeah. uh, Sisu and Rare Export. So, yeah, we, right. got, we got some bangers coming up. We got bangers. some bangers. Right. And next week, Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes, we're, we're going to be joined by our the, our the founder of the podcast, Anderson Cowan. Next week, we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff next week. But I'm excited for Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes to see this Pakistani film called Joyland. The interviews are on our Find Your Film podcast. Check that out. And it's amazing, amazing stuff. We're going to get into a lot of really cool stuff next week. But we have some good stuff. This week, we have Last and First Men. That's our rotating pick. We're going to start that off first. And then our featured films this week is Bruce Perky. My apologies. How do I pronounce this animated film? What is this movie that you're covering? I, I assume Suzume. I, I'm not the best yes. at that stuff, but yes. Suzume. Okay. And well, Bruce Perky is, has really brought a very big animation spin to our podcast over at Cinematics, Find Your Film, and before that, Movie Mainline. So he is very passionate about the genre. Let's see if Suzume is is one of his favorites from this genre. Hopefully it is. I don't know. It, it probably can't beat Bell, but let's see how high it goes. Or maybe Unicorn Wars. Let's see how much Bruce loves that movie. There's a movie called One of These Days, which is getting a little bit of mixed reviews. Here's the thing, though. Joe Cole is in it. And I, I remember Joe Cole from the 2017, was it a Thailand-based film? Prayer for the Dawn, amazing. One of the best performances. Bruce is shaking his head. Yes, I think you agree. One of the best performances I've seen, or just a great performance in general from the last five or six years. Prayer, a Prayer Before Dawn, Eric Holmes, do you remember that movie at all? I Joe Cole, he's in it. Oh, Was it A Prayer okay. Before Dying or Dawn? A Prayer Before Dawn. A prayer okay. Before Dawn, very good. You're thinking A Kiss Before, look, I'm trying to think. I, I think you're thinking of A Kiss Before Dying. A Is this movie the one where he was starred... a fighter? He's a fighter. He was kind of forced into fighting. And he oh, no, I do. Okay. Yes. I do I do remember this one. Yes. And he's forced into fighting because of, yeah, and Joe Cole was so very, I very can't believe good. that's the same guy. Okay. Oh, wow. Well, that, Oh, that yeah. might be a compliment. That yeah. might be a very good. Co- okay, all right. Yeah. Well, we're going to see what Eric and Bruce think. Uh, think of the Joe Cole film one of these days, and then I have a very quick review of the Tony Collette film Mafia Mama. We have huh, interesting film. All right, right now I'm going to hear spoiler. Alert, I give it three and a half stars. Three and a half stars. What does that mean when I give a movie three and a half stars, Bruce? What am I really giving the movie? Oh, probably about two and a half by me. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but actually though i i'm curious about the movie that's one of those movies that feels like it's goofy and so goofy that if it hits you right it's probably okay so possibly i could see myself possibly enjoying that movie despite what i think i might like about it it has good people in it i don't know yeah and and it's a good director the director is Catherine hardwick she directed the first twilight film oh. twilight and she is the director behind 13 so she's a very interesting genre filmmaker she I uh, previously worked with Tony Collette in this film called Miss You Already with, from 2015, and she is a director 
of Tony Collette for Mafia Mama. Those are our movies this week. And then finally, Bruce, what is it? Your box movie. I am so excited for you to talk about this. What is what is this? Oh, and Eric, you it, under the gun. I'm, I'm looking on, on the Google Doc notes. You actually saw what is this movie, Bruce? Uh, Point Blank, which uh, I guess you in a roundabout way suggested it because you had it on your uh, uh, the Patreon episode, I don't know, three months ago, four months ago, something like that with right. uh, uh, Anderson and you guys had talked about it. I'd never seen it and I kind of didn't really listen to your guys review because I, once I, I is a movie I really want to see. I'm like, OK, I'm going to wait. And then I went and watched it for this week. I got a candy out of the box. So we're going to talk about it. OK, very cool. That is Point Blank directed by John Borman. Starring Lee Marvin and Angie Dickinson. So let's start off now. After this long preamble of just witty banter and stuff like that, we have Eric's rotating pick for this week. By the way, my fault, and it's not Bruce or Eric's fault, this is my fault. I'm going to, after this show is finished, I'm going to text Anderson and he will give a rotating pick for next week. And his pick will be a film that will be watched by Bruce and Eric. And if I, you know, if I find the time, I don't know, I, 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 I don't have a full-time job like Eric and Bruce or a family like Bruce or, or care. I mean, I, I just play my iPad games. Hopefully one of these days, I hope I'll be responsible to, to find what Anderson's pick is. I have an idea that maybe Anderson might pick. And, you know, maybe, who knows? Maybe my pick, Neil Jordan's Butcher Boy. But anyways, that w- next week, the ro- rotating pick will be Anderson Cowan. This week, the rotating pick is from Eric Holmes. Eric Holmes, tell us, lead us off with this segment. What is your rotating pick and why? Yes, so um, I was watching the YouTube channel from the deep, and uh, it's got uh, Brett and Mike. And when the host, Mike, brought up this movie called Last and First Man, Directed by Johan Johansson. Most people know him as a uh, composer. Uh, does music for Sicario, Mandy. Very great composer. Died in 2018. And this movie came out in 2020. So two years after he died. It's based on a book. We we talk about tone poems. And this one's a tone poem narrated by Tilda Swinton. Uh, it's basically these black and white images, beautiful black and white images of like these, uh, just like, uh, I think it's different parts of the world. Uh, if you go on the Wikipedia, it shows like where all they sh- shot at, but all these uh, structures and sculptures and whatnot. But I think they look really sparse and empty, almost like it was left behind like a civilization. I think that's kind of what the, what the tone they were going for. But Tilda Swinton, and she's uh, not necessarily human, but she's uh, what humans eventually evolve into, like two billion years into the future. Humanity is about to die because the sun's about to explode. And so it's Tilda Swinton's message to us in present day, or possibly message to us thousands of years ago. Um, I think it was pretty unclear on when the message is sent. but uh, it's Weird, the- yeah. It's like a thousand. Yeah, they're, they're, a million, they're basically. Oh, go ahead. It's in the distant. If I recall, I could be wrong. Bruce can correct me, and you can correct me from the narration, which is to me is very oblique. But anyways, let's go. Okay, so it's a she's. It's a message from the distant, distant future. Yeah. To the to people in the past, something like that. So yeah. that's how she frames. Yeah, it. I said they say two thousand million years, which is two billion years. Um which is a very strange way to say 2 billion years, but you know, they're in the future. They're smarter than us. Uh, but yeah, they, they're basically uh, it's Tilda Swinton uh, reading off messages from the future to us and uh, kind of what the future of humanity. And that, I mean, 
two billion years, we would have evolved into something else. And they even explain kind of that. But so they're not really humans, but we're what humans evolve into. And it's kind of a uh, music's awesome. Visuals are awesome. The uh, narrator, Tilda Swinton, reading off the, the message is interesting uh, to me anyway. Apparently not to all of us. But uh, this is a very interesting movie. And I, yeah, I, I, I don't know what else to say about it. It's uh, it is really cool movie is shot in 60 millimeter black and white and i was looking like eric said in the, in uh, on the wiki page quote predominantly of memorial sculptures erected in the former republic of yugoslavia these structures are very inspiring to look at and it is 70 minutes some people will look at this as actually 700 minutes because the time really does pass in a very slow motion, slow motion in this movie. So it could, some people may find Last and First Man absolutely a needless and boring experience. I was joking after I finished the film and I was taking some shots at the movie and uh, I, I don't know, it's not warranted. I was just throwing some cheap shots. Uh, are the cheap shots warranted, Bruce? Is there a lot of value? And do you think uh, a lot of people will enjoy Last and First Man or at least appreciate what it's what it's about? Well, those are different questions. Will a lot of people appreciate this? Not necessarily, but will some? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I I kind of fell into the vibe on this movie. What Eric said, I think really works well, but I would also add as a way to describe it, it's kind of a mashup of a long form music video mixed with almost like a version of a book on tape. Like if you combine the yeah. two kind of, you kind of get this, because I guess this is based on a novel. Um, but like you said, it's very oblique as well. So this isn't going to lay it out to you, but you could imagine the same, uh, narration by Tilda Swinton and having them actually portray the things that she's talking about. You could imagine, you know, like illustrations or animation going on, but by doing it this way, they make it much more, um, much more of a meditative piece or, uh, it's almost I guess to me, it's almost like somber. It's almost like you're at the, uh, it's almost like you're at the graveyard of uh, humanity or something, you know, and you're listening to how it all came to pass. But all that being said, you have to know you're getting into this kind of a thing. And we've mentioned these a lot this year for some reason, you know, Skin and Rink and all these other kind of movies where it's like experimental and a, and a vibe and you either get into it or you don't get into it. But that's what you have to know about this going in. And, and, look at a trailer online or look at a little piece of it and you can find those. And that pretty much gives you the, the mood of it. And then if you kind of can vibe with that, I say, uh, check it out. The music's, as we all mentioned, it's amazing. And I think that alone is, you can kind of get into this meditative, somber, I don't know, contemplative state with this thing. And if you can fall into that vibe, I think you'll enjoy it. I think what's very bad. Oh, and, and I think uh, doing some shrooms and uh, weed might help a lot too. Um, also, the, the the trailer on the trailer on this um, kind of nails the tone of the. It, it, I think they have like a one minute trailer. If you watch that, that's like watching one minute of the movie. It, if you can hang with that, you can definitely hang with the movie. If you watch that trailer and go, "This looks fucking boring." <laughs> Bleeping boring. Sorry. No, no, uh, no, no. But, it's a family show, but it's explicit. Every single week I put an yeah, E. I, oh, I, but it, Eric, use the E whenever you want. Eric for E and Eric for explicit. I, I've, been doing, I've been doing so good. So many weeks <laughs> I've dropped it. But regardless, regardless, um, yeah, this, like, yeah, there, there are people that are going to find this boring. There are going to be people that, like, you know, take some weed, take some acid, take some other things and just kind of, like, I, I could see uh, meditative is perfect for this. 
because I could see something. I've done this because I, I watched the movie after watching uh, from watching the review on From the Deep, and then I listened. And then I didn't watch it, but I had it on my headphones. I was listening to it, and then I watched it again, and it's like it, it's, it's kind of relaxing, even though the subject matter is we're all gonna die. <laughs> I kept thinking as I was watching this, this is like the only movie I can think of that kind of in its own odd way approaches 2001. Like it isn't yeah. like it, but it is kind of like it. Like if you get into that vibe of 2001, especially the non Hal stuff, because I or, mean, the Hal stuff is the most like an adventure, but if you can get into the, all of the stuff where it's just long periods of flying through space with music going, it kind of has you, that sort of vibe. Did you guys ever watch that timeline of the future, the melody sheep thing on YouTube? It's basically a, a, a quick rundown of uh, from now until the heat death of the universe of what's going to happen. This movie's like the first 30 seconds of that. Mm. So, mm. you know, when there's no more, uh, but it's just as bleak. So <laughs> that's why I'm saying it'd be a good double feature. With We're that. selling this <laughs> at a good old time, right? <laughs> Again, I was very reductive when I finished Last and First Men. There has to be, there is a lot of value added to this movie. And from my perspective, however, is look, there's this movie called The Black Dahlia directed by Brian De Palma. As a film, the movie does not work. The performances are pretty stale, uninspired. But if you, like Hitchcock says, if you turn down the volume and you watch a movie just as a, as a succession of images, that's how he likes to judge movies. And for me, the Black Dahlia, De Palma's The Black Dahlia, I've watched it time and time again with the sound off because I don't want to remember it's just logically not a very good movie. But you turn the sound off and it's a brilliant movie and I can watch it just while I'm doing other pieces of work or, or whatever. And I love watching all the composition of images. For Less Than First Men, it's one of those things where, like Eric was saying, if you want to judge a film just to be entertained or in the moment, you might have you might feel a different way than Bruce and Eric did. But if you just watch it, you can be you can have a long day and you can just be on your bed and play Last and First Men and just relax into the Sw the Swinton voiceover, the images before you. You can actually ruminate on the philosophy or the the story behind Last and First Men, or the whole thing can either just go, be a little bit too over your head but you can still enjoy the experience. So I think there's a lot of value added layers to be had for Last and First Men. And I even told Bruce that after as much as I was insulting this movie to the to the end core, I downloaded the, the soundtrack on my Spotify playlist. So honestly, my initial reaction was one, just to belittle the film. That is due to my own immaturity as a human being. But I feel that if you, dear listener or viewer, want to actually take a chance and see a movie that is not like every single bleeping movie you see on your local streaming service, Last and First Men could be a possible gem in your collection. So any final thoughts on Last and First Men, Eric and Bruce? Uh, I, I would say uh, it's very strange that I can watch something and just kind of sit back and relax uh, watching Humanity's uh, Last Breath. I don't know. There's, some, there's something oddly comforting about it, and I don't know why that is. But It is weird. Go. Perfect, perfect, Eric, and it's rare to have that movie. I'm, I'm pretty, yeah. actually, I'm giving this a very strong review. Bruce, uh, final thoughts or just your rating on Last and First Men? Uh, headphones. Wear headphones when you're watching this, for sure. Excellent. Let it immerse Excellent. you. Uh, but I would say for me, it's a three star banger. I think this is the kind of movie that just doesn't. It's so hard to rate for somebody else. So you get into the vibe, you're gonna love it. If you don't, 
pretty quick, you're probably just going to bail out. I'm giving you four stars. <laughs> I really love Last Emperor. I love fair. this movie. I mean, honestly, that's probably where I am. It's just personally. But I think fairly to other people, I'd go three-star banger. So. I, I own my – listen to me, Bruce. My reviews are always personal. I'm not thinking about the other person like you and Eric are, okay? So <laughs> stop that. Stop thinking about – Eric, can you stop thinking about other people for once? Huh? Okay. Eric? Okay. See? How he hard was that, it. Bruce? He stopped. <laughs> he, just, he, just, he just did. Anyways, Bruce, three-star banger. I give it four stars. Eric, what's your rating on Last and First Men? Again, directed by the late Johan Johansson. Yes. I mean, I've, I've, I've seen it a couple of times, and it's got a dip. I don't know if this was the intention, but it, it definitely has a, a permanent place in my life now. Um, so I got to go five stars, because this will be something yes. I just go back to, whether I just listen to it or I watch it or, you know, because it's not... It, it's not watching a story over and over. It's getting into that same mood over and over. And I really like the mood this set me in. So I got to go five stars because this is just really great at doing what it's setting out to do, or at least what I think it's setting out to do. Not to depress you even further, but do you I actually think about the levels of filmmaking that Johansson could have achieved if he were alive today? Do you ever think about that kind of stuff? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think about yeah, all, all kinds of that stuff. Just not not just with him, but just anyone else that's dead. Uh, think about like a what? How cool would it be if Scott Atkins and Brandon Lee were in a movie together? How cool would it be if uh, you know John Candy got to make uh, the movie with Chris Farley or something? Or you know, why can't we have more Sidney Lumet movies, stuff like that? You know, but uh, th- this is. Okay, can I, I stop no- recording now? I'm very sad. Can we stop? Re- can we just stop? This <laughs> but I mean, I I had. I had uh, no idea that this was in uh, um, Johan Johansson did this. And it just makes me realize that I had no idea how much of an artist he was. Cause this no. is not, this is not an A to B narrative story. No. This is, this is someone with a vision that kind of, this is my art. Here it is. Take it or leave it. And uh, definitely work for me. Won't work for everyone. But I, I think the takeaway is that Johan Johansson was definitely an artist and we lost a great one. Like like Bruce was inferring, it's a pretty much a multimedia experience, however you yeah. want to take it, right? Like Bruce was saying, listen to your headphones. Well, you could listen to your headphones on your iPhone and listen to the soundtrack, or you could put it on your headphones in your entertainment system, or you can do so many different things with this very interesting and intriguing movie. Five stars for Eric, four stars for me, three-star banger for Bruce Perky. Speaking of Bruce Perky, he has a movie called Suzumi. It's an animated film, opens nationwide April 14th, directed by Makoto Shinkai, I believe, S-H-I-N-K-A-I. And I apologize to Bruce because I did not get to this movie even though I wanted to. Bruce, tell us the hopefully the good news about Suzumi. Yeah, I, I think this is a good movie. Uh it's it I think it released in Japan, I want to say back in the uh fall, possibly November, December. I know that it was it was already released over there, but it hadn't come to America. And a few of my our friends on Cinematics, and I forget, I'm sorry if I don't mention the right person, but we had a, a person on here who actually lives in Japan who it was their favorite movie of the year. And we kind of bounced back and forth between that and Bell. And they're they're different movies, so it kind of just depends on where your taste hits. But this director is very well known because of Your Name, especially. I think Your Name, for the longest time, was the highest grossing animated film of all time. I don't know if it's still quite there, but it was very, very high. And then uh, also Weathering With You and a bunch of other stuff. But those two movies were, I think, his last two movies, and they were quite big in Japan. And this is the most recent movie, which is, once again, Suzume. So Suzume is our main character. Now, if you know his movies lately, especially... It's almost always uh, some high school girl 
and there's always some guy and there's something happening. So that doesn't change in this movie. So Suzume is a high school girl. She's riding down the hill on her bike one day and, you know, the mysterious handsome dude is walking up the hill. So all these movies are kind of, they start out kind of generic, but then they get different. So uh, she meets him coming up the hill. He stops and asks her, or she stops and he asks her, where is, uh, is there a um, abandoned village nearby? You know, and she tells him, yeah, yeah, there's an abandoned place up in the hills there that no one ever goes to anymore. And he's, you know, moves on his way. And of course she's starstruck and ends up trying to find him. She goes back to that village. And when she gets there, there's a strange door and this door seems to go to nowhere. But if you open the door, she sees and like, it looks like another dimension or something. But when she walks through it, nothing happens. Let's just say there's kind of magical, weird elements. And basically there's these doors throughout Japan and if you don't keep them shut, it releases this, they call it a worm, but it's like a, looks like a swirling tornado dragon or something. And if it gets big enough, it comes out of the door enough and falls on the ground, there'll be a disaster in that area. Earthquake, tsunami, something terrible will happen to that area. So he is, he's basically sent around to shut these doors. Unbeknownst to her, she accidentally releases this thing, which essentially is like one of the linchpins that locks these down. So she's kind of released the ability for all these doors to be opened. And essentially the whole movie is her teaming up with him to go across Japan, almost like a travelogue to be shutting, to shut these doors. But the main thrust of the movie is her adventure and her kind of teaming up with all these different people in different places in Japan as this girl who's just left her house. She's her aunt is her mom. She doesn't have her mom has died. So her aunt is like distressed because she just, just disappeared with a strange dude one day and is making this trip all across Japan. Uh, and the charm lies within that trip. Uh, I also didn't mention that uh, her main sidekick for the whole, most of the movie is a sentient three-legged chair. Wow. So, that is something that is amazing about this movie. And uh, you see how that happens. And it's pretty great. This sounds like a depress. It could be depressing because of the whole element of tragedy will unfurl unfold. If the doors are opened. You no, know, but I mean, it, it is, and it isn't really, I mean, that's really just kind of the, the magical, I guess, nemesis of the movie, but the main thrust of the movie is just, is her kind of this, like, it's almost like a travelogue, this cross country trip of her. And she's meeting these people and having them have to help her on her trip. And there's a lot of, you know, kind of friendships and comedy that ensues, especially because she has this chair that she's constantly having to hide or do things with because it's basically alive. And I won't tell you exactly how it becomes alive and what that involves, but there's a ton of fun there. And then they're also trying to chase down the, this, what do they call it? Uh, it, I keep calling it Keystone. Keystone. They're trying to chase down the keystone that she released. Basically, these keystones are kept to keep this locked down. And the keystone has become this kind of almost like um, impish cat that is running all around Japan, too. And they're trying to get that as well. It's, it's kind of hard to describe, but it's a lot of fun. It's a good well, movie. Okay, a lot of fun, good movie. The runtime's 122 minutes, a little mm -hmm. bit heavy in the runtime. Or do you think it was... Could it have been cut more or were you fine with the overall two hour? Length? I was fine with the runtime. If I had any small um, drawback to me as compared to something like your name, I think that the, the central like um, conceit of your name was much tighter and more concise as far as the, um, I guess I'll leave it at star crossed lovers. If you remember that movie, I'm not going to say exactly why they're star crossed, but there's a reason. Mm -hmm. I think it's a very clear conflict. Whereas I think here, 
like I said, it's a little more free sprawling and it's more about Suzume and her journey. And there, there is kind of a sort of a romance in there because they always have that in these movies, but that is kind of secondary. And I think that if anything could be kind of pared back, that would be it. It's probably the only thing that keeps it from going to classic status and keeps it down to more of like, for me, it's more of a four star movie. But I think that if you like anime, uh, especially these kind of big, giant, um, sweeping, epic kind of movies that uh, especially this director makes, I think this is uh, this is a good one of those. Well, I mean, remember, Bruce, you, I think, was it a year and a half, maybe two years, maybe even sooner than that, you saw Bell in the theaters, mm-hmm. opens nationwide April 14th. And maybe I'm not like you and Eric, I, I mean, you guys will watch movies no matter what the quality. I mean, you guys love going to the theaters, but what, is this ultimately a theatrical experience yes oh yeah yeah for sure the, the this uh, director shinkai always i mean the the visuals are always beautiful and stunning and there's a lot of really epic shots so this will be really fun to see in the theater for sure okay so bruce putting words in your mouth are we assuming four stars for suzume yeah i'm four stars and i feel like okay i was watching this and i was thinking about it because there's a lot of stuff i thought back about it and i really enjoyed in it and I give it four stars now, but once again, I think this is one that could go up because I think in some ways, and this is a weird comparison, but there's those movies like Big Lebowski, right? Movies that you watch and you're kind of wrapped up in the plot the first time through, but once you don't care as much about the plot, you just kind of enjoy the journey. And I think this movie might actually go up on repeat watches because you're not quite so worried about the plot and closing the doors and all that because you kind of know what happens and you can just kind of enjoy all of these interactions that happen with her along the way and just kind of love that about it i think it would go up a little bit yeah and i'm not saying that you're doing this bruce but i wonder with someone like writer director makato shinkai with such classics as your name and weathering with you under his belt this is it's going to be hard for people who who are not and i mean who are anime experts to probably compare the two because those are two big movies from my recollection to actually compare one to i guess right you know yeah yeah i think so but i think that people are enjoying this one partly because it isn't quite stuck in the same pattern as those two movies this kind of breaks out a little bit and there's some built-in lovable appeal to it with the, the cat and with the chair which the chair aspect alone is so fun and so weird if you just watch any clip with you where you see the chair it's it's pretty great Oh, and I'm very, very sad that I did not get to see Suzume. Hopefully, the screening link is still alive. But again, opens nationwide April 14th. Four stars from Bruce Perky with Room to Grow. Eric, I mean, you you have a full plate. Is this one of these movies that you might want to see right uh, around down the down the road as far as, uh, you know? Viewing? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I was trying to watch it this week, but the, the link wouldn't work. So uh, hopefully, I'll be able to catch it in theaters. Okay. We'll see what happens. Okay, what... What Eric was able to, to catch in theaters is a movie called One of These Days. He actually emitted surprise regarding Joe Cole as the lead in One of These Days because we were talking about A Prayer Before Dawn. I forgot to mention, Bruce, when you were thinking A Prayer Before Dying, you were th- I think you were thinking of a movie called, I don't know. Oh, I, I think I'm combining a kiss, something. I, a Kiss Before Dying. Was, and A Prayer Before Dawn. <laughs> Yeah, A Kiss Before Dying, I think, is a movie that starred, if I'm going to look it up, starred Sean Young and Matt Dillon. 
And that's a movie that I think that sounds right. I think Eric Holmes. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Eric Holmes saw it way back in the day. But A Kiss Before that sounds. I think it's a movie directed by James Foley. I don't know. I'm just making this up. But that sounds like a movie that I think I should watch. A Kiss Before Dying. So actually, thank you for that faux pas, Bruce, on that. But <laughs> yeah, sure, okay. you're welcome. <laughs> so, anyways, one of these days, Eric Holmes, take it away. What's this general movie about? Uh, well, it's about um. These people in this uh, rural area, they put their hands on a truck. The last person to take their hand off uh, gets the truck. Then that's the, uh, it's a contest people have seen before. Um, and then it basically kind of becomes a, uh, what, what do they call those? A, a microcosm of yeah. the area just at this truck, you know, seeing all the people kind of how, how they interact with each other. Um, now on the thing they take breaks. I don't know they normally do that in the game. It seems like a way to break the game a little bit. Um and in one part of the movie you see um that possibly happening. Um this is pretty good up until the end which uh it won't get much into spoilers but maybe uh, after Bruce uh, says his piece we can talk a b- bit about that last 20 minutes cuz it kind of baffles me why they did that. So is the entire movie just basically that competition? Really, not too much of a yeah, action? yeah. It's all it's all character study and character interaction at that at that uh, truck. They veer away from it a little bit, but not too much. Okay, I'm very uneducated on this one because I don't know if this movie is inspired by a documentary. If I recall, that Anderson really adores. It's a 1997 documentary called Hands on a Hard Body. That's a movie that I think Anderson for years has been telling me to watch. I don't listen to Anderson because I'm an idiot. I should actually end up maybe maybe we'll ask Anderson if he if he really about hands on a hard body and if he, he uh, wants to see one of these days as well. well I don't know. Got, so it's so, just got the one uh, writing and directing credit, the Bastian Gunther. Hmm. So maybe, but I don't think usually if it's based on a, a documentary or something, uh, it would have a Say. separate writing credit for that. But you, you could be right. I'm just not sure. No, I'm possibly wrong, but maybe I'm wondering if. One of these days, because it sounds kind of familiar to that hands on a hard body documentary. Maybe they they could be companion pieces, even though this movie might may not be inspired whatsoever with that documentary. Bruce, one of these days sounds like an interesting subject. Was it an interesting watching experience for you? It was relatively interesting. Uh, it's definitely one of those where it's giving you like a real strong sense of place and the people in that place. I think this is supposed to be in Florida. I mean, you get the feeling of the heat and uh, just the oppressive. I mean, you imagine being out there for, I don't know, I guess by the end of this movie, they've been out there for days, at least, at least a couple days, I think, if I remember correctly. But, you know, for more than a day or two straight, like outside in Florida, just putting your hands on this truck with about 20 other people or whatever it starts with. Um, yeah, and it's okay. Um, I think, and I, you know, I wondered about, cause I never seen it. Um, they shoot horses, don't they? I've never seen that movie, but I feel like that might be kind of a spiritual predecessor to this. Cause if I remember correctly, awesome. that's a dance competition yes. where they kind of dance to the bitter end and to their, you know, but, um, I, I liked it. Okay. I think as it built up in the, probably after about the hour mark, you really started to get the dynamic between the main, I don't know, four or five people that are really kind of playing mind games with each other and, and challenging each other to try to win this truck. I think that was probably the high point of the movie for me. There's also kind of a subplot to a woman who's kind of helping organize it. 
And there's a whole bunch of side stuff with her, which I didn't feel really went a whole lot of places. But, and this is where Eric wants to kind of chime in, I think, too. I absolutely felt it was a huge misfire when this movie takes a turn about 20 minutes to the end, and then we have 20 minutes more. I felt that was absolutely did not make sense to me why it was done that way and what I was supposed to get from it. And I felt it really undercut whatever, I guess, dramatic punch I would have had by the end of this movie. So, Ooh, that's- so with that, you know how like uh, I, a lot of times I complain about the movies getting to the point because it's that first 20 minutes. It's like, you know, they, they start off big and then they have the boring 20 minutes, half hour until they yeah. finally get to the meat of the this one didn't do that. This one started right at the sure. almost right at the uh, contest. And then we're going through that. And then they get uh, to and they have what I I guess would call a monopoly ending, the actual ending of the movie. Yeah. But then they got to go back and do that first 20 minutes that they cut out the at the end. <laughs> it's like putting it at the end doesn't make it better. You're supposed to take it out yeah. of the movie entirely. And and here's what I was thinking. I was watching oh, that. No. I was thinking the exact same thing. Um, to me, that could work yeah. if what they're giving us at the end totally changes and recontextualizes everything we've seen, right? Yeah. Like if it gave us information that like, holy crap, now it all makes sense. It all came together. Kind of like a giant version of The Sixth Sense, right? Yeah. Where if everything you're getting there is like, oh my gosh, all that stuff I didn't understand before all totally is deepened and recontextualized. And now this becomes an amazing thing where before it was okay. This did not do that. <laughs> yeah. This, and just to explain what a monopoly ending is. Um, if you play monopoly, uh, Greg, me, you and Bruce are playing monopoly. Uh, Greg, you've been out of the game for two hours. Um, I'm down to say. my last $100 and Bruce clearly won this. <laughs> But he hasn't yet because I haven't lost all my money. So we're just going to keep going and keep going until the game finally ends. Like this, this movie had that ending. And I think if it ended there, it'd be fine. And like you said, the the recontextualization, I think, is what they were going for. Yeah. But it just wasn't strong enough. So well, I, and it didn't I give us stuff just we didn't kind of already know, right? Like it gave us stuff that we either yeah. knew or we kind of already kind of figured out, you know? Yeah. So it wasn't giving us new information. But I I would say like um from the beginning of the movie to the part where it ends air quote um <laughs> I I liked it it's just okay. that last twenty minutes I was like what is this doing here just get it out doesn't need to be there unbelievable wow okay I I'm really excited to hear the <laughs> ratings of one of these days I, I want to do two ratings twenty minutes out and twenty minutes in I don't know but anyways Bruce what's your rating on one of these days you know I I liked it well enough that I think I'm going to give it three stars um, because there is some really good stuff in here and there are some really great moments and there's some excellent filmmaking here as well. So I'm going to give it three stars, but this should have and could have been much better. Okay. three. That's a mild recommendation that you're telling. Basically you're telling us to see this movie with, though it's flawed. So at least that's a mild mild recommend. That's good, Bruce. Uh, Eric, one of these days. Um, I'll give it, two ratings if you stop watching it where the movie ends this is a four-star movie if you watch the entire movie i'm with bruce it's a three-star movie okay i, I, I watched the entire movie so <laughs> it's three stars so it, it, if you're gonna that that's basically 
Because, like, yeah, th- this is a good movie. It's just that last 20 minutes, I don't know what it's doing there. It doesn't need to be there. But That's I would weird. say anyone watching this, you'll know when it ends. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a thing that happens. There's an and exclamation then, point for sure. Yeah. And then just stop watching there or watch the whole thing. And maybe, maybe you disagree, but I'd, I'll go as the whole movie. I'll stick with Bruce and say three star, but this could easily been a four star higher movie. Oh, I wish I did see this movie because I, I wanted to argue with you guys and say, Oh, I liked it a little dribble dribble at the 20 minutes. <laughs> I wanted that extra 20 minutes. I, but I guess I, hopefully I'll catch up with one of these days. And I don't know. I, th- three stars from both Eric yeah. and Bruce. Here's the thing. It hits theaters and on demand April 14th. It stars Joe Cole, aforementioned Joe Cole, Carrie Preston and Callie Hernandez. Okay. Here, here, I, yes. Here, here's actually th- this will help. So you go watch, uh, uh, you go watch one of these days at the theater, one of these days, and then, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're sitting there, you're watching the movie and the thing happens, you know, that you can just leave the theater early if you want, or maybe just hop into another theater and watch something else for free that you don't need, you know, we're telling you, you do not need to see that last 20 minutes. Yeah. Oh, by the, or you could be Eric Holmes, and, and Eric Holmes so, will show up to his local theater, and then when it, when that time hits, he's just going to stand up and tell everyone, hey, everyone, I'm giving this movie four stars right now, and if, you, if you're still eating popcorn, you still can, but you know what? That's, that's on you. If, you, if you're already eating your popcorn and you're, and you're one of Jujubees, go right now. If not, it's a three-star movie, just FYI. They're going to throw up on myself. This is... <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I hear that all the time on dates. It, no, what, what, Bruce, what are you saying? What are you, I was saying, this is your chance, like like Eric said. So it's your chance, right? When that thing happens, this <laughs> you, you've spent money on this nice indie movie, and then you can go watch Avatar. You can go watch your Avatar for free, and don't give any money to it. Oh, very good. Oh. <laughs> it's railing against the corporations, Bruce. I'm telling you, we need to join the corporation so we can make that sweet, sweet cash, Bruce. Stop with that punk rock ethic. I'm tired of it. It's too too much filled with integrity. I can't even spell that word, Bruce. Stop. But anyways, <laughs> I, I, still haven't seen, I still haven't seen Avatar. I don't know. That might be a good movie. Eric, you've seen Avatar, right? I forgot. You reviewed it on the show yeah. a little bit. Yeah, it's still. Yeah. And Bruce, you've seen you the second one. No, I haven't seen the new one. Okay, Bruce, you and I, we need to see this movie one of these days. One of these days. We gotta join the fray. Hashtag join the fray, Bruce. We got we collective. We're 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 collective now. We're, we're the last and first what man. Are we, the and, Borg or something? I don't know. <laughs> right. Anyways, before we get into Bruce's box pick, which is point blank, let me just a couple of words regarding Mafia Mama. It's again directed by Catherine Hardwick. If you like Twilight, if you like 13, you know she's a very interesting cut from a different cloth type of filmmaker. Spent her career a lot of her career starting off in doing production design. So she has a very interesting visual element to all of her cinematic projects. So each movie is a different genre for her. She hasn't done a movie like Mafia Mama, which is a light, breezy, romantic comedy, or is it a drama? Because it's weird. Tony Collette plays a, yeah, she, she's a full-time, she's a doting mother. Her son is now off to college. And so she's going to have empty nest syndrome. And her her uh, husband is kind of a pretty much a creep. He's a musician who's very irresponsible, and he does things that probably piss her off. So she's so she's empty nester, and she's mad at her husband. Her job sucks. What happens is her grandfather is dies over in Rome, and the her grandfather's consigliere, played by Monica Bellucci, tells. Tony Collette's character, hey, you got to come to Italy, settle the business because you're going to take over the family wine business and it's your job, just settle the affairs. So she decides, hey, 
I got, I, I don't like my job. I, I, a lot of weird things are going on right now at home. I'm going to, she goes to Rome. She has an adventure. And that is the premise of Mafia Mama. She realizes the family business, they're not making wine. They're, they're mobsters. And this suburban career driven woman played by Tony Collette is now possibly the new dawn in the whole family. So that's the premise of Mafia Mama, again, directed by Catherine Hardwick. I gave it three and a half out of five stars. Caveat though, her Tony Collette's character for the first 30 minutes is so is really annoying. She's like me doing the podcast, me talking too much and me making stupid jokes that Bruce and Eric really get pissed off about, uh, understandably so. And you listeners, you get, you, you're probably saying less Greg, more Bruce and Eric. So her character is very annoying because she does stupid things throughout the movie as she learns about becoming a mafia don. But as the movie progresses, you see her character grow and Tony Collette's character becomes more like what you would imagine a Tony Collette, Collette character would be, very strong-willed and determined woman. So Overall, I just really had a great time. This is not one of these things like you're thinking about life and philosophy, which is great, like Last and First Man, or it's not a, probably a visually expressive experience like Suzume. But if you're looking for a lightweight, breezy, fun time with you know either a girls' night out or if you're a fan, uh, what, no matter what your gender is, if you're a Tony Collette fan, she, she's really good in this movie, or Monica Bellucci. I wish there was a little bit more Monica Bellucci in this film. That's my only complaint regarding this movie. But Mafia Mama, three and a half out of five stars for me, out in theaters April 14th. That is it. And I will I will actually have the audio of my interview. It's like a four and a half minute interview. I had a TV slot with Catherine Hardwick. Catherine, yeah, Har- yeah Hardwick for Mafia Mama. Um, and I'll put that on our Find Your Film podcast this week along with other stuff. All right, that's it. Before we get to point blank, Peter Beta, I just want to tell you something. You know how to drop that beat. You know how to rock that beat. And you know what? Bruce, what is Peter Beta's favorite movie of all time? Eric, do you know? Oh, it's Whiplash. Know? Whiplash. Whiplash. Oh, it is Whiplash? Pete, you know what? You can also drum that beat. Remove your hand from the box and you die. That's in the box. pain all right we're back john borman point blank was it a boar man (laughs) oh Oh my god dumb dumb, uh joke number 20 on this podcast point blank interesting film i don't know how to how do you start to describe this movie because it's a very surreal film bruce berkey uh well 1967 john borman uh most people probably know john borman from what would you say probably deliverance and uh x Galibur and Zardoz, I believe. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You knew yeah. one of the Exorcist movies? Uh, yeah, he did Exorcist to the Heretic, I believe. Yes. Is that the one that uh, that uh, Willem freaking <laughs> hated? Or was oh, yes. that the Exorcist 3? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the one he hated. Most people did not like the, the Exorcist to the Heretic. It's pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, or not interesting. Anyway, <laughs> Point Blank, starring Lee Marvin. So how do you describe this? Well, actually, it's I think it's kind of easy to describe. Uh, it's basically... Uh, I mean, if you can call the late 60s neo, neo-noir, uh, but it's in, you know, full color. And it starts out with Lee Marvin and Reese, his partner, and Lee Marvin's woman. Uh, oh, shoot. I didn't write it down. Lynn? I think it was Lynn. Maybe I'm wrong. Lynn, you're um, right. And they are um, doing a heist uh, at a drop-off at Alcatraz, which has been recently uh, emptied out and decommissioned and all that stuff. And uh, during the uh, during the heist... Double cross, uh, 
Lee Marvin's woman and uh, Reese decide, oh, I'm going to shoot you and we're going to take the money. And they shoot him and leave him for dead. But, you know, being Lee Marvin and even though no one's ever swum across the channel from the <laughs> from Alcatraz, he's got no problem. Even with some bullets in him, he's going to survive and make it out of there. And uh, the rest of the movie is him uh, tracking down various people to get back his $93,000. And that's pretty much all you need to know as far as the basic plot of the movie. I mean, that that's that's the setup of this movie. I mean, you know what Lee Marvin's like. He's not going to take any prisoners. He's going to keep going until he gets what he wants. Now, what else to say about this movie? And then I'll let Eric sh- chime in too. Uh, I think the biggest caveat I would give to this movie is younger viewers, it is going to seem dated. It's going to seem dated because this is very 60s and very noir. And both of those things to people are flavors that some people are going to be like, oh my gosh, this movie is so out of date. This seems like an old whatever. This isn't for me. So you got to kind of kind of got to go in with that that energy, I think, understanding what you're getting. There's that that level of kind of, I don't know what you want to call it, melodrama, but you know how noirs are? They're heightened. They're very heightened versions of these kind of movies. And they've got a lot of, this movie also does this weird 60s thing where it's got a lot of weird um, cross-cutting and flashbacks and kind of that trippiness that you get in the late 60s added to this movie, which is unusual in a, a noir-y sort of movie. So I think that adds a flavor to it that might also throw some people off. But there's also a lot of fun to be had here. And a lot of great characters and character actors. Uh, Reese is played by uh, John Vernon, which I forget where he's known for, but I always know him as uh, <laughs> the Dean from uh, uh, Animal House. I think he's in that, but uh, he's been in a bunch of other things too. He, he was also the main antagonist in the outlaw Josie Wales. Okay. So yeah, so he's good in that. But uh, but to your point, Bruce, Animal House is the one he's gonna, he's going to be remembered for, right? So, <laughs> which I don't know if that's to his liking or disliking for his legacy, but I mean, it's memorable. Yeah. Uh, and then of course Lee Marvin, what can you say? And then Angie Dickinson as Lynn's sister, uh, Chris in this, and then you got Keenan Wynn, you got Carol O'Connor. I mean, you've got a lot of fantastic character actors kind of chewing up the scenery in this movie, and a lot of like. Uh, San Francisco and LA. Is a lot of it in LA? I don't a know. A lot of this. I mean, I think both, right? Because, yeah. right, yeah. So you get a lot of like locations, which I'm assuming are very well known from that era. I wouldn't know them as well, but uh, it seems like the kind of thing that Tarantino and I guess supposedly um, Soderbergh, when I was listening to you guys talk, Soderbergh loved this movie too, for especially the limey. But uh, yeah, I mean, hard boiled kind of revenge sort of flick with some trippy 60s pieces to it but um i found it to be a lot of fun well be a lot of fun. So, eric before you get to, into your review of this were you, bruce were you surprised at how much anderson really did not like point blank and how much i loved it or was it pretty obvious that one would love no, it? no he did like, like it he did like it, like it. Oh, yeah really? you were yeah he liked it quite a bit he liked oh. it more than um he liked it more than uh the other movie you're talking about that that Year. Okay. I forget what other movie it was that okay. year. He oh, it was the of... uh, the um, the French movie uh, okay. where they're just walking around. <laughs> I forget what it's called. Oh, oh, the Samurai, the Samurai. Yeah, Samurai. Okay. Yeah, he did not like the Samurai. He really quite enjoyed this movie. Okay, cool. Point blank, Jerry. <laughs> you ended up seeing it, Eric. Was was the movie outdated with the editing? Like Bruce was saying, the cross cutting. Will will people find it a little bit too uh, kitschy for its own good? I didn't need to see Liam Marvin have sex. Uh, other than that, that was fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, in, in fact, uh, earlier this week, uh, Frank came over and put on uh, the 
I think the Born Identity, I believe, was the first one. Um, and uh, I watched that for the first time in like a long time. And so watching this after that, they got a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of uh, similar DNA between the two. I think. Um, granted, the uh, and th- this is going to be com- controversial. The action scenes in this are better than Born Identity, and the action scenes in this aren't that great. But uh, that's <laughs> oh boy. But, uh, <laughs> But uh, uh, the it's got the same kind of setup, you know. Someone, uh, well, this one's kind of looking for revenge and you know chasing around. Like it's got spy elements to it, um, and it it it's fun. It's fine. Um, I don't quite get the outdated part, other than maybe how it looks, um, maybe Good. how people act towards each other. Um, but yeah. no, so not not even outdated. It's still, yeah, you don't get it. You think it's? It, you think you have people will will uh, will dig it? You don't think I, it's? I I think if they like the Born Identity, I don't know why they wouldn't like this because they're cool. kind of the they're kind of the same movie really in a lot of ways. Um, minus Lee Marvin having sex. I did. <laughs> if you stop watching there, I totally get it. <laughs> yeah, I. You know, it's, it's kind of like it's kind of it's kind of like the newborn porn scene in a, a, a Serbian <laughs> film. There's newborn yep. porn where you, my eyes are burning and you're like, I don't need to see anymore. <laughs> and then you get to Lee Marvin having sex. And it's like, oh, uh, yeah, I'll go back to the newborn. <laughs> Just a couple of silly movie items regarding this. First off, I'm going to do my, my weekly or, or every episode I do. Uh, I do my Greg, Greg remembers his past as a press junketeer and interviewer. I did interview way back in the day, Donald E. West, like the author behind the book, The Hunter. The Hunter ended up being the source novel of Point Blank. And years later, it would be the source novel for the Mel Gibson movie, Payback. I interviewed Donald West. Donald Westlake loved his films. During my 20s, I, I read a bunch of his stuff. Really great person to interview. I wish I still had that audio with me. I have an audio tape with me and Elmore Leonard, and I lost the interview I had with Westlake. So I am very, very sad about that. A couple other things, though. Screenplay. One of the writers in this is Alexander Jacobs. This piece of information will be very interesting for, I, at least I hope so, to Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes, especially Eric Holmes, because Alexander Jacobs, the screenwriter behind Point Blank, Point Blank whatever you think of the, the movie script, Eric, just know that Walter Hill, one of his big influences was reading the screenplays of Alexander Jacobs from this era, and it helped him develop as a writer before he became a director. So Hill credits his sparse writing style to the screenwriting style of Alexander Jacobs. So that is all I wanted to say regarding those two little uh, movie caveat kind of things. But um, final thoughts on Point Blank, Bruce, Eric? Uh, this, was, this was, you know, pretty fun, kind of, uh, t- I don't know if you would con- call it a spy movie i would but uh kind of one of those type of movies um this wasn't like a classic or anything um and even in spite of lee marvin having sex uh this was uh pretty fun to watch i think can i just pod title this podcast lee marvin have lee marvin hey we got we gotta get the the numbers greg we gotta get those views up (laughs) the only way we can get the views up is by talking about lee marvin's ass you need to get give me some more of this great advice so i'll I'll definitely uh juice up the numbers so to speak on point blank so that's very interesting oh before i forget physical media i am horrible with this eric and bruce you've kept a lot of your dvds i am remiss at years ago i got in the mail 
We're talking, Bruce, you just requested for Unwelcome on Blu-ray. Once you get it, make sure you do the review. We'd love to hear your stuff on, on the Find Your Film Podcast. We're going to be doing a lot more Blu-ray DVD reviews, okay? I want to make sure that a shower of physical media comes to all of us and we collect all the treasure of the Sierra Madre spoils. But before that, we'll, we'll, we'll do giveaways. We'll hopefully do some value-added reviews of this physical media stuff. But speaking of which, Point blank DVD I had. I, I received it from Warner Brothers. I think I traded it in somewhere down the line for another DVD, and I shouldn't have done it because that DVD is now out of print, and I think it's, it's probably thirty or forty bucks right now. Steve Steven Soderbergh is in the Point Blank DVD from Warner, and he does a audio commentary with John Borman because, to Bruce's point about the cross cutting, the editing style of Point Blank was a direct influence for how Steven Soderbergh edits his films if you may if you think of point blank and you see maybe the flourishes of that are existent are extant over in out of sight movies like out of sight or even the oceans movie so anyways some point blank really interesting but movie tidbits i really enjoyed it but what is the rating more most importantly the rating for bruce perky your rating on point blank i'll probably go three and a half stars on this one okay solid recommend and what about you eric holmes uh, what are, you, you have to give me two ratings, the ratings of Point Blank as a movie and the ratings with what would Point Blank be if Lee Marvin did not have sex in the movie? Well, just normal ratings, probably three stars. But with uh, Lee Marvin having sex, it jumps right up to 6.9 stars because it has to. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Now, this is this is a really this is a pretty good movie of its type. I'm just not that big of a fan of this type of movie. Like, I'm not much of a fan of this. I'm not much of a fan of Born Payback. Identity. Or payback? Did you see payback with Mel Gibson? It's interesting. Uh, pay, did payback it. was fine. Payback would be about where this one is as mm. well. Like the um, grifters, it, it, you know, like it, the grifters, it, that kind of stuff. It, it's a good version of this kind of movie. This not usually the thing I usually gravitate towards, and don't quite know why. Okay, very very good. Okay, that a very meaty show. We didn't think. And look, we were gonna we were gonna do one more movie review, which we have to keep next week. It, it, it was like this was. I think this was. Like a two hundred minute episode, guys. We yeah. we, we last we lasted very very long before this we go. It was almost as meaty as Lee Marvin. <laughs> oh, no, there you go. <laughs> this is a Lee uh. Marvin. <laughs> okay. Anyways, I, I speaking of which, I, I have I I have to get to my meatball sandwich right after recording this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I really do have a meatball sandwich downstairs. So there's a double entendre, innuendo, and actual fact. But uh, okay, so before we go, final thoughts from Eric Holmes. Final thoughts. I, I can't wait. I wish I was in Colorado Springs to actually warn people about one of these days. You got it. You actually have to attend the screen and, and go right. Four stars. That would be amazing. <laughs> Four stars right now. But if, if you leave, leave. If you stick around, it's going to be diminishing returns. Uh, final thoughts. I, I, Eric, you know what? Actually, we gave it, we gave the movie crap, but I, I think the up, up until that part, one of these days is a pretty good movie. So I, if it's playing in the theater, I would definitely check it out. Uh, Suzume, I wish I wish I could have seen that. And then Last and First Man. Yeah, we got, we, we got some, we got some pretty good ones here. And how about uh, this? How about a little bit of encouragement, Eric Holmes? How about this, folks? If you want, you can yell Attica to both Bruce and Eric. Why don't you go spend some of your money, go to the theaters and go on demand. If And then if if the, the ending actually worked for you, go go to Bruce and Eric and say, hey, you guys oh, yeah, go wrong. Definitely. Yeah. You know, we, we encourage independent cinema. So we'd love to hear some of your disagreements or maybe agreements regarding the ending of yeah. one of these days. And speaking of independent cinema, uh, we got uh, we got some bangers coming up in the next few weeks. So, uh, it's, you know, if, if you didn't see anything this week, you like there's always next week and the week after and the week after and the week after. And 
there's also the history of cinema that you can dig into. So speaking of digging, digging into meatball sandwiches, Lee Marvin, uh, speaking of crossing swords, Eric, I actually requested an interview with Charlie day for his upcoming movie, which was really great. And then the pub- publicist over at one of our favorite publicity companies, they said, actually, you know, Eric Holmes actually uh, requested it. Uh, do you, what do you, what do you think about that? I go, well, Eric Holmes is a much better interviewer. Uh, so so definitely yeah. eric if, if we do get any charlie day interviews that's all you i will ask all the questions about anything anyone wants to know about bird law it's, <laughs> i i will ask those questions for you because i care about the listeners you do care about the listeners bruce was i making the, the right decision at actually making sure eric is numero uno on the interviewer list my is that smart sure Save yourself some time to eat more meatball sandwiches. <laughs> you got meatball sandwiches. All time, I want right? to do is want to want watch Lee Marvin. All movie. I want to do is zoom zoom, <laughs> zoom into zoom meatball in sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say final thoughts, but I'm thinking a lot of meatballs. Anyways, Bruce, final thoughts. I just did it. You don't need any more than that. You just go sing that song. Song. Come on, Hannah. Come on, fun. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you next week, and uh, that's it. I I'm done. See you. Love you guys. Bye. <laughs>